0: Alright, hello everyone. Welcome back to my podcast, The 50th Stolen State Hawai'i. In this episode, I will be going over how the commercialized object of the dashboard hula girl contributes towards a sexualized attitude of Hawaiian women and their culture. This disgusting tone of Kanaka women and their body movements has reshaped the tradition of hula into an Americanized modern form of entertainment. To provide a better perspective on the traditions of hula, my friend Brylin Iwohi who I briefly mentioned in my first episode, will answer some interview questions I sent her. Of course, I was unable to conduct the interview in person due to the global pandemic, but I hope in the near future, I can continue this series and have Brylan join me. Stay tuned at the end to hear Brylin Iwohi's perspective on the Dashboard Hula Girl and her experiences within the hula community. Okay. Let's go over the image of the dashboard hula girl. If you're someone with one in your car's dashboard right now, think about that one. Think about the color of her skin, her eyes, her hair, what she's wearing, and her physique. If you're unable to picture this, here's what I want you to do. If you can, Google a dashboard hula girl. If you're looking at the same Casey Hawaii hula girl posing mini dashboard doll, long title, on Amazon, we're on the same page. From this image, you see a tan woman with blue eyes, straight long hair, accompanying her hourglass figure. Ugh, and then the worst part was the last time I checked on Amazon, the sponsored image is actually a white woman with long brown hair with a similar physique, hourglass figure, all that bullshit. But it's just like this white woman and it's the sponsored image. Like, can we just take a moment? What the fuck, Amazon? All right, so anyway, I really want you to think about this. So do you think this is an accurate portrayal with the white woman and her hourglass figure with straight long hair and coconut bra with a grass skirt? I hope you said no, because now I'm about to tell you exactly why it is so offensive to Kanakamali woman. As I briefly mentioned in the first episode, traditional hula is about connecting to Kanakamali genealogy, cosmogony, historiography, and much more. King Kalakaua restored myths, legends, language, and hula that was suppressed by European missionaries for over 70 years. So each movement and chant has a specific purpose and relates to a history that was almost forgotten. The dress of a traditional hula is almost completely different than what a dashboard hula girl portrays. There isn't a coconut bra or a thin grass skirt. Of course, you will learn way more about traditional hula from a Kanaka Mali herself, so stay tuned for Brian's interview. Okay, now let's jump into how the male gaze has contributed toward this mass-manufactured object. It all started with the American military personnel and their attitude towards Kanakamali women. Gonzalez adds in Securing Paradise that the military used textual and sexual language alongside visual imagery of tropical paradise to lure and recruit soldiers to the perils of island tours. The second episode, I describe how Don the Beachcomber restaurants in the 1930s filled the American conscious with this supposed tropics as paradise theme. The 1950s and 60s were filled with bars and restaurants with this so-called paradise escape. In the eyes of cis-heterosexual American military men, this is heaven and a form of escapism from their current realities. The American military recruitment process is filled with financial support and constant relocation, incentivized with the mentality of tropics as paradise. The Kingdom of Hawai'i, now illegally taken over by the American military, became the quote unquote perfect vacation for white America. Unfortunately, Hawai'i isn't the only place that the tourism industry has desecrated. Goa, Australia, Tahiti, and the Southwestern United States are just a few other examples. Only just a few. To quote an absolute queen, Hanani K. Trask illustrates this notion as a state-encouraged commodification and prostitution of indigenous cultures through notions of tourism. Tourists buy plane tickets to escape their current hardships and reality, but they don't take into account how their vacation will affect the hosts of the islands they're visiting. I mean, if you think about it, national parks on the continent have the same conceptual origin. National parks enabled the US government, aka White America, to relocate and remove indigenous people of America from their own cultural traditions and land. So, the US government, White America, basically steals more land from indigenous people to cater towards wealthy tourists. Yeah, right? I know. I hate it here too, but there's another reason to hate the United States even more if you even needed one. Anyway, the attitudes of the American male gaze, multinational corporations, and tourism contribute to this newfound corporate-owned form of hula. The Dashboard Hula Girl is unfortunately just one racist example of white America mocking Kanaka cultural practices of traditional hula. Hula, traditionally known as a way to connect with Kanaka Maoli ancestral history, is now a form of modern entertainment for cis-heterosexual men. The dashboard hula girl as an object creates this notion that Kanaka Maoli women are there for entertainment and sexual desire. This sexualized tone is portrayed within the dashboard hula girl's long straight hair, coconut bra, thin grass skirt, and hourglass physique with only constant hip movements at every turn. This Americanized modern form of entertainment resulted in an exploitation of hospitality and aloha from the residents of the islands. Like I just mentioned, the traditions of hula and chants were commodified and sexualized to entertain white America and the US patriarchy. Along with the commodified and advertised sense of aloha, the traditions of hula has been warped around the American empire's patriarchal and Eurocentric religious ideologies. All right, enough of my rants, let's hear from my friend Brylin Iwoki now. As I mentioned in my first episode, Brylin won the first runner up and the Hawaiian language award at the 2016 Mary Monarch Miss Aloha Hula competition. I would also like to give a huge congratulations to Brylin. She is graduating this semester with a bachelor's in business management and a minor in Hawaiian language. I can't even describe how much I miss hanging out with Brylin and I know you're listening and I cannot wait to see you very, very soon, hopefully. Here's my dear friend and absolute queen, Brylin Iwohi.
1: Aloha everyone, my name is Brylin Iwohi and I am currently on the island of Kaua'i and that is why I cannot be there with Miss Adrian. Um, But I'm so thankful for this opportunity to answer some of her questions and to be a part of her whole project for her senior year. I'm so proud of you and I'm so thankful for you. Um, Let's get started, all righty. So question number one, in what ways is hula dancing important for you and your family? So I've been dancing hula ever since like I was five years old. It's been in my life everywhere. And so it's been about like 18 years. What started me off was when I was growing up, I always admired my mother dancing the hula, the way she would tell the stories of mele Hawaii, whenever she would come home with different hula implements that I would be able to kind of play around with. Just listening to her chant throughout the entire house, it was so lovely to get such a fresh air about what this hula is at such a young age. And I would eventually try to, you know, learn whatever move she's doing, learn whatever chant she's doing. And so she was like, oh, I gotta sign this girl up. (laughs) But I'm very grateful for her for coming home and teaching me all of that stuff and but it didn't so it started off with my parents they were really really young and back in the day like my parents actually met dancing at the Smith's luau so this has been a part of their life like the um the hula and the culture has just been definitely a part of their lives for a very very long time and that's why it's pretty important to our family because it all started them off and i think that's like literally the cutest story ever which is funny though because a lot of stories like that like are how i know like my parents met it's like how my friends parents met too is at the smith's law it's kind of funny and so when it even comes to like my two older brothers bj and bronson they're involved in the culture too because they both paddled um which is like canoe paddling and then they also sing so they know a bunch of mele hawaii they know how to play instruments and i think that's just really really cool and so what i think the main thing about this culture and like the hula is that it brought me really really close to what hawaii was you know like learning having the opportunity to learn about different um vahipana which is like legendary and special places um different mele hawaii different ali'i different winds different mountains like the hawaiian people back then when they composed mele hawaii it was just the most genius thing ever and that's why i truly believe like the hawaiians they're really really smart and they underestimate us but it's it's just it's just funny and, you know, the hula is what opened my eyes to all of that. Because growing up, I never went to a Kula puni which is like a whole Hawaiian immersion school. I wasn't around um, the Ola Hawaii. I didn't know much. All I knew was, obviously, aloha and mahalo. But I should have known way more from when I was young. And that's why I really respect the hula is because that's what started me and broadening my knowledge about the Hawaiian culture and how beautiful it is as we learn so much about different places and so much about my island so much about Oahu so much about Maui and I just think it's a beautiful beautiful thing and yeah so that's why I feel like it's super important to my family and I'm super thankful my girl Adrian, that you're bringing me a part of this and that I'll be able to answer, answer all of your questions to the best of my ability and through my personal experience. Okay, so question number two, how does the dashboard hula girl make you feel? So in all honesty, this is a perfect example of like a misrepresentation of what the hula dancer is and what a hula dancer looks like. Because the, the dashboard hula girl is this little slim, thick girl, hourglass shape, big titties, coconut bra, um grass skirt short or long on her low low hip with a flat tummy nice straight hair and a flower in her ear a small little nose a beautiful jawline you know just like things that just completely sexualizes what oh hawaiian well like sexualizes a woman period but then it just is a whole misrepresentation of what like a hawaiian girl is and what the hula dancer will look like so That was just completely designed towards the tourism industry and being very influenced by, like, the westernized culture of what is pretty and what isn't pretty. Especially back in the day when the Dashboard Hula Girl was created. I'm, you know, like, it was created in a a time where they were also plastering all of these um, posters throughout, you know, like, throughout Waikiki and just trying to be eye candy to the westernized culture and just completely designed to please that tourism industry and it's just it's super interesting to me because we are really com we are completely different from that dashboard hula girl like me i ain't no like I don't I don't have like an hourglass figure. My tummy isn't flat. My nose isn't skinny like I have a beautiful Hawaiian nose. I got beautiful Hawaiian hands and feet, large ones. You know, like I have broad shoulders. I I'm you know, dark dark skinned and it's that is to me like I'm not I'm obviously not calling myself I'm not trying to boast about myself, but like that is what Hawaiian really looked like back in the days when you look back at photos of them beautiful places of at kalakawa's coronation when he brought the hula back to life after we completely lost it for years um they were in these you know like very elegant um long sleeve with these long pa'u skirts with these long pa'u pa'u means skirt sorry so And these big ipuhekes and they're such dark, beautiful Hawaiian women with, you know, with poofy hair. And so the dashboard hula girl, like I said, is just a big misrepresentation of what a hula dancer is. And and I'm, you know, what would be what would be really, really cool is if they made another one. But obviously it's cultural appropriation, but it would be an actual what a Hawaiian dancer looks like. That would be super, super cool um yeah so that sums up pretty much question number two and we can talk a little bit more about it maybe next time because i'm on a completely different island right now i'm on Kauai, and i just really really miss you adrian and i'm grateful that you're doing this and speaking about it because this needs to be brought to life needs to be talked about and needs to be shared with the world about what a hula dancer really really is so i mahalo you Alrighty, moving on to question number three. Do you notice any differences of dancing closer to home versus farther away? And in other words, it's like, have you ever experienced any differences amongst the audience during your hula performance? And so throughout my entire like hula career, I wanna say like more recently from when I ran for Miss Aloha Hula, um, I had the opportunity to dance throughout like the throughout many, many places. So like I danced many times in america i've danced many times in japan and of course all the time in hawaii and through my personal experience because um everyone has their own experience um i felt like the audience that i danced for no matter where i was had this sense of respect and admiration for the hula especially in this like um Like in today's society i feel like people are a little bit more aware of that's just through what i've experienced because i don't know what any other person has gone through but they i feel like they knew like when to clap when to not clap when it was appropriate to kind of like approach a dancer while she's not dancing of course But I think my main um, observation is that like for those who haven't been to Hawaii or hasn't really learned anything about the Hawaiian culture or like the history of the hula and what it's been through, they kind of have this misrepresentation like the hula girl dancer, but not necessarily in the body bodily figure. But, I, like, even towards the dancing. So, like, they have this misrepresentation that the hula is obviously like this silly dance that they just put their hands up and flail it around and that we just move our hips. But I feel like when they experience what the hula truly is in its purest form, many people have come up to me after in complete awe of just watching us dance hula and getting like the full picture of what the hula truly, truly is. And I think that it's amazing that even through the hula, we're able to teach people that we're obviously not what a lot of people think that the hula is or hula dancers are. And I think that they get to learn that it's not just the silly dance and it's it deserves that type of respect. Of it being super sacred because we share all of these mele about different places and different ali'i and different like people wrote beautiful mele about Hawaii and just being this powerful nation that we really are and I think when I did go to obviously um, when I went to America I was able to travel from like the East Coast to what is it like the midwest is that like texas and up i'm so sorry i don't know much about um the america but like and then the west coast and even throughout america it was like interesting to see that they really did have a sense of what the hula is as if they've been to hawaii before but that's because i went there and i was actually on this hula tour with um the hawaii um tourism bureau and that's where they go and they teach these people in america that are teaching others i don't know if this like i'm trying to make the best sense of it so we go with this group hawaii tourism bureau and they have workshops and all of the people are pretty much from hawaii and they have these workshops to teach the people that are living in america a about the Hawaiian culture in its truest and purest form so that when they go out, say that they work at the marketing department in a hotel, so they're going to go out and not just say like, oh, this. they're not going to put a picture up on, up on their PowerPoint about the, like the hula girl, um, dashboard hula girl, but they're going to actually put a picture of, of what a hula girl is, you know what I mean? So it's really interesting. I was actually very happy to be upon that because my main thing is just teaching people and educating people about the Hawaiian culture and its beauty so that they can understand that when they come to visit, they leave with something, not literally leave with something. Please don't ever take something because you're going to take other things with you and that's not good. And But they leave with a different um, understanding of what the Hawaiian culture is and what even hula is. And I think that... Sh- that's my main point on why I dance to Hula and why I participate in such opportunities like this tour and everything. So that's that. But when I go to Japan, it's really interesting because I'm not trying to boast about anything, but going there, it's literally like we're celebrities. The Japanese just love us, they take care of us, like we're signing autographs and we're taking pictures right and left. I was like, wow, this is really cool. (laughs) But they also, so like when I go there, yes, I go there for shows and multiple tours, but I also have been there to teach them. So the Kumuhulas here in Hawaii, they have um, haumana, which are students pretty much all throughout the world. But I feel like they have the most haumana in Japan. And I do not know why, but I think it's just that because since I'm taking it as this is all my personal thought from nothing else I take it as they have st- such a rich culture there that they really appreciate other cultures too but one being specific is the whole Hawaiian culture and the hula um, they really prize the hula and I think it's great so when I go there they definitely know um, how to appropriately approach a hula dancer sometimes i've i've had some altercations but it's nothing negative i we always teaching them and i think the language barrier is kind of hard too but when it comes to performances they're very appreciative they have the most love and they're so sincere and they're literally just super super cute they have like these little signs and they're so proud to be a haumana of a kumu and they're just really interested in the Hawaiian culture. And I think that's cool Um, to like a certain extent. We'll have another conversation about that maybe when we meet up again. But nothing controversial. I just think it's really, really cool. Um, And then whenever I dance in Hawaii, of course, it's well, most of the times, if I really think about it, when I'm dancing here on Kauai or in Oahu, sometimes my audience is, you know, Hawaiian. And of course of others but i have participated in shows and luos and i think they're my i try to look at the the brighter side of things and my hope is that they're coming to learn of course enjoy the entertainment but really really learn about the story behind things and they listen to because the mcs usually they 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 go over what melee they're gonna dance and the story behind it and I just hope that they come to really learn and and like i said enjoy and bring back and know a different sense i don't even like a they just have a different understanding about what hula is and that's just the main thing to me um yeah that's pretty much awesome all right that
0: concludes this podcast episode and series for now i hope to continue this series in the near future so stay tuned for more episodes in the next few months whatever you're doing i hope you have a great rest of your day and i hope you got vaccinated and you're staying safe out there